We welcome you this morning to worship at First United Methodist Church. If this is your home church, welcome. If this is your first time with us, welcome. If you're somewhere in between, it's so good to have you with us this morning. My name is Scott Taylor, and I'm the Director of Music and Worship Arts here at the church. And I have a few announcements, and then we have some special um, announcements coming to us, opportunities for us to send that water out into the world. First off, uh, next Sunday is a, is a special event, a first-time event, um, but hopefully, and I think something that's going to become uh, something that we see more here, maybe every year, we're doing a joint concert with the, um, with the choral program at Western Carolina University. We just had our first rehearsal with the um, students at Western this past Thursday, and it was filled with energy and beautiful music, and, and I was... I could not fall asleep on Thursday night, and um, I, I'm so looking forward to next Sunday. That's at 7 o'clock. It's a free program. Uh, their concert choir is going to present a short program at the beginning, and then we're going to join forces, about 80 to 90 singers with an orchestra, and present um, some music from Johann Sebastian Bach and Felix Mendelssohn and American church musician Leah Hoiby. So we're really looking forward to that next Sunday. Come, bring your friends and family, just a lot of energy and, and beautiful music making. The following week, and this is in your um, worship guide today, the following week there is um, a special opportunity for music here as well, and that is in the form of our Music Makers End of the Year musical. I cannot believe we're at the end of this year. It, it seems like we just started in September yesterday. Um, I, I don't know that I've heard a, a children's choir um, with, with quite such a captivating sound as this one is this year. It is really stunning. And they're presenting a musical about Daniel in the lion's den, which is going to um, open up for us uh, for the next month some talk with the children about the book of Daniel and about that great prophet, because he's also going to feature heavily in our Bible times, which is coming up in June. So we're excited to be both making this beautiful music but talking about one of um, one of my favorite um, characters in the in the prophecy part of the Old Testament. Okay, now we have some special announcements, um, and we're going to start with dollars for scholars with Tyler Beamer. Hello, my name is Tyler Beamer. I'm a chair of the scholarship committee, and welcome to Dollars for Scholars Sunday. Uh, where we have the opportunity to help our current and future college students achieve their goals of earning a college degree. In doing so, we assist in the advancement of our community and the lives of others. Your donations um, can be placed in the offering plate. Um, you can use the envelope that's in your bulletin to place a, a check or um, cash um, in the offering plate um, for the Dollars for Scholars. Um, last year, our church contributed nearly $8,000 to the cause, um, and the youth at the church is increasing in numbers by leaps and bounds, thanks to the hard work, dedication, and leadership of many here at our church. So let's see if we can contribute even more this year to support our youth in fulfilling their dreams and aspirations. Um, it's my great pleasure to introduce Alex Medford, a 2017 scholarship recipient and a student at AB Tech. Good morning. My name is Alex Medford, and I have been a member of this congregation since I was in youth, starting in middle school. 
While in college, I was an intern during the summers for the children's ministry, and more recently, you've probably seen me around the office and helping with church events. Through all these wonderful opportunities, First United Methodist Church has helped to shape me in many ways. But there's one particular ministry I want to talk about today, and that's Dollars for Scholars. Two years ago, I decided that I wanted to change courses in my professional life, and I enrolled on a, in the veterinary technician program at AB Tech in Asheville. I was embarking on a very strenuous but highly rewarding program, and I was a little nervous about how I was going to support myself since I was stepping back into the role of a full-time student. Thankfully, the Dollars for Scholars program is open to any member of the congregation pursuing an educational goal, so I applied. I was blessed to receive a scholarship last year that helped me buy books and other school supplies needed as I began my clinical coursework. Without this award, I'm not exactly sure how I would have made ends meet, because let me tell you, college is expensive. For just one semester, I was expected to buy several pairs of scrubs, a stethoscope, a thermometer, binders, textbooks, bandage scissors, dog leashes, a headlamp, you name it. I probably had to buy it. And that's not including tuition or the gas money required to get from here to Asheville four days a week. Just knowing I had some financial help coming my way was a huge relief and allowed me to focus on the tasks in school. I was, able to fully, I was able to be fully ready for my clinical rotations, all because of help from this congregation. I cannot express how much your support means to me, and I want you to know your investment is not in vain. I will be graduating in August in the top of my class and ready to enter the professional veterinary world shortly after. Your donations to the Dollars for Scholars program made that happen, and not just for me. Of the other recipients of scholarships from FUMC last year, two of them were my siblings. <laughs> so I am not the only Medford that is indebted to the scholarship committee and your generosity. With gifts received by my brother and sister, Nancy was able to buy her textbooks and pay her rent at East Tennessee State, while John was able to get settled into his dorm and get everything situated for his first year at Appalachian State. The Medford family was greatly blessed by scholarship committee and the Dollars for Scholars program, and I hope that you take a moment to realize just how amazing this ministry is. It is making dreams come, through, come true, whether it be a high school senior just starting on their educational journey or for someone changing their career path. I'm looking forward to donating myself so that more and more people are given the chance to feel supported as in, and encouraged. Thank you so much for providing me with this opportunity, and I hope we are able to help many more students in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. We're so proud of you. I want to bring Matthew Johnson up, who's going to talk about an upcoming event that you can um, participate in and help out with. This is for all you golfers out there. Good morning. My name is Matthew Johnson. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you this morning about this awesome event that we've got put together for our after-school program here at First United Methodist. The uh, First United Methodist Church of Waynesville after-school program began in August of 2016 after the principal at Waynesville Middle School, members of our law enforcement, and the Department of Social Services brought forth a need for a safe, supervised after-school care for middle school students. The absence of that safe, supervised after-school care had left middle school students to wander the area without parameters. 
conveniently located just up the street from Waynesville Middle School, our church had the perfect facility to host an after-school program for middle school students. We were able to use endowment funds to staff the program throughout its first year. This program is helpful for students and their parents. Students can walk directly to the youth area at FUMC and stay until five o'clock when they are picked up by a parent or their guardian. Students will receive a snack upon arrival and are able to choose to play sports, outside, watch movies, play video games or board games, hopefully even possibly do their homework. Students are supervised by four to five program staff at all times. The staff engages these students by investing time and building relationships to support these students. Parents can be confident that their child is safe and at all times supervised. This program has grown quite a bit since the beginning of 2016. There were 130 students registered for the 2016-17 school year. Well, as of April of the 2017-18 school year, we've got 170 students registered. The program continues to grow and fill a need in the community. This program was able to start, as we heard last week from Bishop McCleskey, because of our permanent endowment fund. The after-school program is now funded through individual donations and the general fund of the First United Methodist Church of Waynesville. Well, our goal with Swing for Kids is to fully fund this program for a year so that the church budget can be used to answer more needs of our community. This tournament will be held at Waynesville Country Club August 24th. Please contact myself or Mike Blackburn for any additional information on sponsorship availability and putting together a foursome. I look forward to seeing you all out there. Thanks, Scott. Sorry I was late to worship. Um, I was in, engaged in another part of the building, and, and I missed the children's sermon. I, I was excited about the children's sermon, and thanks to Scott for um, just doing one on, on the spur. But on vacation, we experienced uh, iguanas and sloths and uh, monkeys, like really up close and personal. So I thought how great it would be on Earth Day to have a live creature for a children's sermon. And I, a family just bought a gecko, so I had a gecko. And... Um, so as we were doing the children's sermon, and I'm all prepared to, to talk about the gecko, we unveiled the lizard, and it's actually a bearded dragon. And it's like, I don't know anything about a bearded dragon, but I know with a gecko, you can save 15% on car insurance. And that was a joke that someone told me after the fact that I was excited to use with you all, and I just had to do it anyway. But thank you, Scott. And I will say the reason that I was not here is because of our church conference um, in, in our um, in our gym and our district superintendent was with us and it was a large crowd many of you I think were in there and uh, the, the vision for our growth and moving forward uh, it was a unanimous vote to to continue that and so uh, there, there's going to be a meeting on May the 9th um, in our youth arena where the master plan group is going to talk about the specifics of the vision moving forward so that's a, that'll be an opportunity for you on on the 9th to to hear um, more of those specifics as we as we prepare our hearts for prayer um, a number of, of um, folks that we need to pray for. Uh, Woody Griffin, uh, Woody's uh, brother Howard passed away on Monday in, uh, in Louisville, and so we need to be in prayer for, for Woody and his wife Melita and, and the Griffin family. Uh, Janet Lilly had surgery on, on Friday morning, and she's now home, and uh, the surgery went well, and so just prayers for her recovery. Uh, Charles Matlick uh, was also in the hospital, but he is, is also now home. Uh, Ernie Porter is having surgery early in the morning, so, um, so prayers for Ernie. And uh, Raymond Caldwell is 95 years old, I think on Thursday, and he's at the, the Haywood Lodge 
so we celebrate 95 years, and uh, if you, even if you don't know Raymond, maybe you could go by the Haywood Lodge and uh, just wish him a happy birthday, and uh, he's a delight to, to hang out with. Uh, let's, let's pray together. God, we, we give you thanks for our life together in this place. Uh, we, we celebrate today uh, your creation. I'm, I'm glad that there's an Earth Day uh, because it's a reminder to the entire globe of who created the Earth. And I imagine um, the, the joy that you had at creating the stuff you created geckos and bearded dragons and sloths. We look around any room that we're in and we see each other and, and uh, we muse that uh, you decided to create us the way that you created us. We're all unique and we're all beautiful. We know that because we know how deeply we are loved by you, our creator. And you awaken us to who you are you awaken us to our need for your life and your mercy. And in you, we, we find forgiveness for all of our mistakes and, and all the ways that we have failed and sinned against you. And it's in moments like this when we, your creatures, gather in sacred space that we can confess to you and find freedom. So we thank you for your forgiveness of those things that are behind us and our anticipation of all the beauty that you're going to create in and through us as we live forward. Lord, we're, we're grateful for each of these persons that we've mentioned and all of those that, that we are carrying in our hearts that we haven't mentioned. You know our needs before we ask them, and we praise you for that. And at the same breath, we ask you to meet those needs with your presence, with your healing touch. Lord, that you would uh, stir our hearts to good and great things. That you would give us the courage to be your church because it's not uh, always easy and it's often frightening. Help us, we pray, in all of these things. And we ask it in the name of Christ who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A, a sixth century monk, or excuse me, rabbi, Sixth-century rabbi wrote, From the very beginning of creation, God was occupied with planting, as it is written, And first of all, the eternal God planted a garden in Eden. Therefore, occupy yourselves first and foremost with planting. And I liked that. And I think we take it literally. You know, like Becky said, before we can love creation, we have to get to know creation. And that means we plant our bodies into the hobbit's hole, swimming hole, or we literally put our hands in the dirt and we we plant an okra seed or a tomato seed. But I also think it's figurative. As we come, as the ushers come, and as we uh, worship with our offering, we are planting seeds uh, for students to learn and, and to grow, for space, for kids, 
for after school. Uh, lots of different things does this offering mean. And uh, we, we have different means of giving. Maybe it's financially this morning, or maybe we know as the offering plate plas- passes us that we're giving our time uh, and planting amazing things for God's kingdom. Uh, so thank you for your generosity uh, with your life and with your gifts. Uh, let's worship as we receive our morning offering. Thank you. Our epistle lesson today comes from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. You can follow along with me in your worship bulletin. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was in about third grade, I remember when I fell in love with being outside. Growing up in the suburbs of Durham, you wouldn't think that I had many places to be outside or many places to explore, but that's simply not true. You see, I had a couple of great friends, and we all had adventurous spirits. And we would often find ourselves playing in the woods, creating new trails or hiking existing trails, and and playing along the creeks or even in the rivers that run through Durham. Summer was a glorious time of exploration, of finding out new things, of using our imagination, getting dirty outside, and finding swimming holes deep in the woods to cool off from the horrific humidity and the heat of a Durham summer. (laughs) Bobbitt's Hole was one of those sacred places for me. The trailhead was about a half a mile from my house in the suburbs, and I could walk or ride my bike straight down the Umstead Road to get to Coal Mill, to get to the trailhead. And I was able to do that by myself, or not by myself, but with my friends, without our parents, after we'd hiked it so many times. So we would walk or ride our bikes all the way to the end, and we'd get to the trailhead, and we would follow that trail all the way around the river, on the banks of the river, the Eno River, until we got to the end. And it's this glorious swimming hole that almost just glistened in the sun because we were so hot. It was a great reward to jump into the water and swim and be together as friends. 
It's always refreshing and relaxing. And then the hike back, see the hike in was only about a mile and a half and the hike out was about a mile and a half and it was plenty of time to dry off in the heat before we got home. So my friends and I would always go. We went about once a week in the summertime it seemed, maybe even more. And it seemed like whenever we went, we hardly ever met another person or another group of hikers at Bobbitt's Hole. So we felt like it was ours. It was our place. And we loved, loved going there to swim. Bobbitt's Hole is where I learned to love nature. Learned that when you follow the, the river each time, you're always going to get back out to the trailhead you started with. I learned about when you hike in things, you have to hike them out. So you hike in, you take snacks, you have to make sure you leave no trace. I learned about different poisonous plants not to touch or rub up against to when you're out there. I learned about ticks and how to search for them. <laughs> I also learned about how to look for snakes on the trail. And I also learned a very important lesson once that when you go hiking too late in the afternoon, and you don't start hiking out until dusk, it gets dark. And it's not very fun when you don't have a flashlight. Unless you've hiked the trail a million times, then it's okay. <laughs> we were fine. I also learned about how to be in the water and how to swim in open water and how to walk across the creek in the rocks and get sure feet. I wish I had chacos back then. That would have been fantastic. So even though I haven't hiked this trail for over a decade, after living here, I can still remember all the bends and the turns. <clears throat> I can still remember that where the mile markers stand. I can still remember that once you get to the swimming hole of Bobbitt's Hole, I can remember, I could probably paint you a picture if I could paint, of this beautiful view of Bobbitt's Hole and of the, of the trees that had fallen that we used to play on and all of that is there right here in my mind. <clears throat> This place is a part of my soul, and it always will be. It's integral to my childhood, and it is my holy ground. The more I centered my heart on and thought about what it meant to preach on this creation series that Keith and I are doing, this two-part series, and the more that I thought about Earth Day and what I would say, I kept thinking about this one question. Why do we all feel drawn to nature? Why do we all have a yearning to be outside? Now, I know not all of us are outdoor people. <laughs> not, some of us don't like bugs, or bugs don't like us. Some of us don't like to be outside because we have allergies and, and nature doesn't like us. That pollen is really bad right now. <laughs> But, you know, and some of us like to enjoy nature from the parkway in our air climate-controlled vehicles, or it's nice to enjoy a really nice view from our screened-in porches because no bugs can come in and we can be as comfortable as possible. So I get it, I get, I get it. But we all have this sense within us to enjoy and seek out picturesque places and to stand in awe or sit in awe of the beauty. So why is it that we are drawn to God's creation? Why is it that we are drawn to marvel at something that takes our breath away? And we live in one of the most beautiful places on this earth, I'm sure of it. Most of us, if we've made a choice to live in Waynesville, we have chosen to live here because of the landscape. 
because it's gorgeous, because there's fresh mountain air, there's access to the parkway, there's plenty of things to do outside, and the quaintness of the small town doesn't hurt. So we value where we live, and we value our views. And if we're available enough, or if we have enough resources, we choose where we live based on the view that it provides. And that's something that's in high demand these days. So because we live here, we're able to enjoy being outside if we want to be. Exploring new hiking trails, or searching for breathtaking waterfalls, seeking out the best fishing holes to throw our fly into and use our new fly gear. Looking for the best place to hang up our hammock and just rest nestled into the wilderness and looking up at the beautiful sky. Or hiking and achieving a beautiful summit with our family and to enjoy and take in unbelievable views. Playing in the creeks, exploring the creatures that live there. And so it goes on and on and on. So why do we have this itch to be outside, to go exploring? Why do we have this itch right now for the days to be a bit warmer so we can enjoy it even more? And then, once we get there, the outside, why is it that we feel such peace, such renewal, such wholeness, spiritual rest, and rejuvenation deep down in our souls? So I want you to think of a place right now. Think of a place that you're deeply connected to, that your heart and your soul are deeply connected to. Where is that place? It may be close by, it might be a home place, a childhood memory like I've had, or somewhere really far from here. What do you see around you? What do you see below you or above you? What are the sounds that place makes? What do you feel when you're there? And what do you smell? We all have places like this that we cherish. These places that are at the core of our identity and they've shaped us as people. And when we visit these places, we have a sense that God has met us there and that the presence of God is there. And we feel a deep sense of connection. Creation Justice Ministries article I read this week is um, called Sense of Space. And within this article it says, God's creation teams with God's life-sustaining presence. Just as all plants and creatures depend on ecosystems, we as humans depend on a community of human and non-human life. This interdependence is not only about survival, but about our self-identity. We create meaning and feel belonging based on our surroundings. So we feel connected to creation Because God is present in creation. God is in all things. Everything that has ever been created has the divine breath within it. So when we yearn to explore outside or to see beautiful views or enjoy a sunset or a sunrise, we are yearning in God's presence. Pope Francis wrote in the encyclical Laudato, I can't say that, Laudato Si. Um, The universe unfolds in God, who fills it completely. Hence, there is a mystical meaning to be found in a leaf, in a mountain trail, in a dewdrop, in a poor person's face. The ideal is not only to pass from the exterior to the interior, 
to discover the action of God in the soul, but also to discover God in all things. So our scripture today is a little unusual. Colossians 1, 15, 15 through 20, not what you may be expected to hear on the creation sermon day. But this names the risen Christ, Jesus, as the source and sustainer of all things. So this means that all rivers, mountains, trout, hemlocks have their beginning in Christ and live in Christ. The church is the body of Christ, but so is the earth. Creation is also the body of Christ and it's holy. Verses 15 and 20 are, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn in all creation. For in him all things in heaven and earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So if Jesus is holding the whole world together, then God's love must be for all humanity and all of creation. Therefore, our love must be for all humanity and all of creation. So when we think about the creation stories in the Bible, more than likely, the first thing we think of is Adam and Eve, perhaps. Or maybe we think of uh, we think of Genesis 1 when God creates in the six days and then rests on the seventh day and all the while calling creation good. So it's probably a little bit of a stretch to think about Jesus being involved in creation. That doesn't exactly make, t- make sense in, if we're thinking of it as a timeline. But yet it absolutely does. Because at the very beginning, Jesus was with God. We remember that the first chapter of the Gospel of John says, it was, in the beginning was the word And the Word was with God. And in this, we're talking about the Word being Jesus. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all the people. So all of creation comes into existence through Jesus. Jesus is the glue that holds it all together. Not only does Jesus play a major role in creation, but his journey to the cross is the way through which God makes peace with everything in heaven and on earth. And through the cross and the resurrection, God has promised to restore all humanity and all of creation together. And of course, God creates everything out of love. Everything on this planet is beloved by God. So in Genesis 2, when God created the first human, Adam, God lovingly picks up a clod of dirt and breathes life into him. And then God created the garden and calling the plants and trees to grow out of the ground and then created the the streams and the rivers to flow freely to, to nourish the land. Then God picked up the soil again and then created each and every creature on this earth. So we are made from the same earth that all the other creepy crawling things around and the birds of the air are made of. Our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit formed us lovingly in God's hands. Norma Wiersbe, a professor at Duke Divinity School, has done a lot of thinking about creation and 
the ways in which we relate as, to the earth as Christians. And he says, when we talk about God's love, we talk about how great God's love is for humans, for all of us. Consider the fact God's love is just as deep for the plants, the animals, and the waters. I think that's true. We often preach and teach of the greatness of God's love and how God's love is powerful and relentless and never wavers, and all of that is true. But what if God's love is just the same for everything that God created? If God loves people just as much as God loves the rivers, the trees, the bees, the trout, or the elk, or the bobcat, then why shouldn't we love and have the same love for all created things? When we think of Jesus as creator with God, we can't help but consider this to be true. Because Jesus' teachings were all about love, about sharing, about being in communion with one another, about community and sitting around a common table. So when Jesus teaches us to love as God loves, then he must mean that we should love creation as God loves, too. So a first step in loving creation is to learn about it and to get to know it. So I got to thinking, and I realized that I don't know very much about the wilderness in which we live. As far as I don't really know about the, the intricacies of the creatures and the plant life and the trees, and I just don't know those things. It's not something that I've spent a lot of time studying. And so I thought, before I stood up here today, I should probably research some things. So I did. So I started looking into our watershed, because I thought, well, that's a good place to start, because that's where everything comes from, life in the watershed. So I started researching where our water comes from, and I learned that Haywood County is, um, is very connected to water, and in this sense that um, through, I learned through Haywood Waterways that um, we live, where we live is a very unique place. And so where we live, because of the mountains and where everything is, is beautifully put together in our little valley, we are in a headwaters county. So that means that no rivers or streams run into our county. Every, every drop of water that we have comes from the rain or comes from the groundwater. And so it's ours. It's kind of an interesting thought. So it's ours to take care of and to keep clean and to enjoy, to share with our community in Haywood County. It's a little insular to think that way, but that's interesting. That's the way we live. So I learned about Haywood Waterways and things that they do. They educate and advocate and evaluate and clean up streams and all, and all kinds of little bodies of water around our county. So I'm so thankful for them after reading about them. I'm so thankful for their dedication and working so hard to improve the water quality and all the little sub-watersheds all around our community. Because they're working hard to make the water a great resource for us and for the fish and for the animals and for us to enjoy. So today is Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. <laughs> it's the day that we celebrate on April 22nd every single year for the past, let's see, what did I say? How many years ago? I think it's like 18 years, no, 48 years ago. I'm sorry. So for 48 years, we have been celebrating Earth Day because at one point in time, people were looking at the environment and worried about um, the state of it. And we're saying this, we're in a kind of a dangerous spot with the way we're polluting it. And there's smog, and this is not good for us, so created Earth Day. So on Earth Day, we take time to learn, like I did, about where we live and about our environment. 
I know the preschool here spent the whole week learning about the earth because Jack came home talking about all these things about earth and what the earth was about. And I know that in the daycare, our one-year-old went out and planted flowers in his little, their little nursery garden that they have in their front, their, I call it their front yard, <laughs> their little patch of grass. And I knew about it because I saw the little flowers when I picked him up and I saw his clothes when I pulled them out because there was a change of clothes on the baby. So he had fun getting his hands in the dirt. And Caroline started in her little community garden that um, they're planting at Riverbend with some volunteer help. So we do these things. We get outside with our hands in the dirt. We celebrate the bounty of creation. We, maybe we went on a hike or went outside and enjoyed yesterday. It was a beautiful day. Or maybe we also participate in projects where we go through things and we take out trash and we work through, um, work, work through the creeks and, and eliminate things that are, or that are harming them or in the way. So I got to thinking, and Earth Day is, is recognized now by 192 countries. So it's not just a thing for us. It's 192 countries working together to raise awareness about how we can keep our Earth clean and to celebrate the beauty that God has given us. At least that's the way we perceive it as Christians and as people of faith. And so this year, the focus is on encouraging the world to get rid of single-use plastics and calling for regulation of disposable plastics. It sounds like a great idea. <laughs> well, plastics are wonderfully convenient and handy and in many ways necessary, we think of, in our lives today when used irresponsibly or excessively can have lasting effects on Earth and on the creatures, as we have seen um, through the creatures who have ingested or have um, been harmed by them. So ultimately, I want to love creation as God loves creation. So the answer to the question I started with, why are we drawn to be outside, is because we're deeply connected to the earth. God breathed life into each one of us, just the same as God breathed life into every creature, plant, and waterway. We seek out beautiful places to enjoy, and we're rejuvenated by fresh air, and our souls are connected to the Creator God in those moments. When we have our feet in the stream, or we step out on an overlook at the parkway and are awestruck by the view, we have our hands in the dirt while planting, or take a moment to soak in the full experience of our favorite places that have deep meaning to us, we are one with God. And we are one with Jesus. We sense God's love. We feel God's peace because the presence of God is tangible and real. Thanks be to God.